Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Our 10 o'clock hour, our open home hour, open to you, the Arizona homeowner. Whatever you want to talk about your home, castle, or cabin, that is completely up to you. Do do so. You call the toll-free number, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923, or you can email us at info at Rosie on thehouse.com or use any of the contact forms that are uh, on our website. And uh, the 10 o'clock hour, we do have, uh, there's only one segment that we have uh, regularly scheduled, and that's our weekly to-do. We'll be talking about workspace lighting coming up here uh, after bottom of the hour news, and it's that one feature is designed to tackle an area of maintenance or improvement on your home on a weekly basis to keep up with all the demands your home needs and uh, keep you on top of it. A well-maintained home is a better quality of life and what we're here to help uh, achieve ourselves and help others strive for. It's going to be thanks post-Thanksgiving before our next broadcast. And I, if you're not familiar with the Epoch Times, it's a, a pub newspaper I really enjoy. It comes out weekly. It's still a physical paper that you get delivered to your mailbox. And I've grabbed a couple over the last few editions talking about Thanksgiving. And one goes back to, you know, tying it into what, you know, your grandparents or your great-grandparents had experienced going through the Great Depression. You know, it states the turkey cost has doubled uh, or is about a dollar more per pound. Uh, Butter prices have doubled. pound of pumpkin will cost you three times more. I don't ever buy pounds of pumpkin. Uh, Yeah, canned pumpkin. For pumpkin pies. Those come in big cans. <laughs> uh, no, we're, I'm a pecan pie guy. Uh, I don't okay. ever do okay. pumpkin. But but nut prices aren't any, no. any cheaper. Uh, so it, it talked about suggestions for uh, alternative meals that might have been common at uh, the Great Depe- Depression area. Pickled beets. Hmm. Parsley turnips. Hmm. Carameled onions. That sounds good. Buttered carrots, they say they're just as delicious and nutritious and economically now as they were in the 1930s. Well, if you're around in the 1930s and you thought pickled beef and parsley turnips were new delicious, I would love to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope whatever uh, holiday celebration you're planning for your Thanksgiving on your home castle or cabin with your family and loved ones, you don't have to resort to Parsley turnips. Pickled beets. I'm not even sure what uh, they have any recipes in there. <laughs> Back, uh, they they did you, you none of them, but none of them were for that. No, they, they did have a caramel onion one and a sweet potato apple, but they did not have a recipe for the pickled beets. You know, I think I've actually seen pickled beets, so we're probably making a lot of people mad right now, trash talking <laughs> them. <laughs> hey, if you like them, go for it. I've I'm had not pic- saying. I'm not saying don't enjoy it if that's what you enjoy, but I have never been to a Thanksgiving meal or prepared a Thanksgiving meal that and consisted of pickled beets. Not only Thanksgiving, but ever. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't remember where I've seen them, but I know it wasn't at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Back in the day, Aunt Sammy, a radio show character developed by the Department of Agriculture, encouraged people to 
use instead of turkeys mock chicken uh, or duck. Good housekeeping seal uh, considered and encouraged people to, to make chicken pie a centerpiece instead. Um, not not impressing me there. Better Home and Garden suggested pork roast, and their 1933 publication is an alternative. You can't beat a good pork roast. I got to be honest there. Uh, mm. Yeah, mm. I I do like that. I just you know the uh, the nostalgia of turkey at Thanksgiving I think overwhelms that for me. So um, you know if you're if uh, if your dad was here right now uh, he'd probably be all over that suggesting duck instead of turkey. So. Yeah, turducken. Uh, yeah, there that's a whole another ball game. That's a, that's a whole yeah. That's meat. Oh, that's so good. It's uh, probably too late to put your order in for that. A bears in Maurice, Louisiana, folks. If you can order one, good luck. Yeah, it'll, it's it'll probably, probably too late this year, but mm-hmm. next year. They had a another article as well about the turkey etiquette: five rules for Thanksgiving dinners. And one of the things that uh, what really stood out to me is a reminder: this is a great time to show off your table manners. I mean, how often? Do we sit around and actually have a full meal and uh, institute table manners? I mean, mm-hmm. even at my house, you know, we love to to eat together when we can, but with the kids' schedules and everything, um, it's pretty hard to. Well, and you know, and and you know, somebody might be hungry now, and some people might be outside riding the horses. I mean, it just it's kind of an open table. We don't have a set. This is when we sit down mm-hmm. and eat. Uh, and it talks about this one really made me laugh. Dressing the part. This isn't t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. And I laugh because I'm like, you could totally do that in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more culturally acceptable here. I mean, it's like restaurants here. You know, you, dress codes are in general very different here. You can get into some very nice restaurants here in uh, in very casual clothing mm-hmm. that in other parts of the country they would kindly ask you to leave yeah. <laughs> nice easter outfit that mm-hmm. you could wear and mm-hmm. wear yeah this time of year. I, my uh <clears throat> my grandmother was uh uh very proper so i i learned that stuff um and uh you know my mom was always very good about making sure we had good table manners so and that family thanksgiving was definitely on your best behavior. <laughs> well, and it, it all depended, too, on what was important to the the house, the mm-hmm. family. Like, my great uncle, you know, you didn't walk in that house with your hat on. Mm-hmm. And he had a huge rack right there you could hang your hat on. Uh, but you did not walk in the house without a hat on. Uh, his brother, my grandfather, could have cared less mm-hmm. if you had a hat on. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, did you, but, you know... When, so there, but there were other things that were important to him that you always knew that you know this is how you act and right. uh, around Papa yeah. Rosie's house. So it just it, it all depends too on on who your host is. So cater to whoever your host is and and help out. I mean that oh, yeah. that nothing drives me more nuts than just seeing people sitting around watching people clean up yeah. and do work. I mean you don't need <laughs> to know how to clean up to clean up. No, that that's something you monkey see monkey do. <laughs> you, you don't need some. Uh, great experience in how to properly wash a dish. Mm-hmm. Get up and help and get it all done. But some a uh, couple weeks ago, we talked about ghost towns in Arizona, and an article came out about ghost towns resurfacing as lakes drying up, and there was three specific towns that talked about Old St. Thomas in Clark County, Nevada, 
was buried under 70 feet of water by Lake Mead. In its heyday, it had 50, uh, 500 inhabitants that lived, made their living farming, ranching, and mining, and actually had the San Pedro and Los Angeles rails supplying commercial goods to it. Uh, the last known resident left there in June of 1938 before they started filling up the lake. Well, remnants of it are now visible due to the receding. So we've all heard about the bodies that they're finding as the lake drying up, but now we've actually got a full town. And 400 miles north of there, the Rock Point, Res Rock Point Port Reservoir uh, is exposing an old abandoned ghost town in Utah that's uh, resurfacing. And the most interesting one was one called Old Kernville that was originally named Whiskey Flat for a saloon that was open there. But in its heyday, Roy Rogers and Gene Autry shot a lot of their cowboy films wow. in this in this town that was covered up by Lake Isabella Reservoir. That's now uh, becoming, you know, remnants of it are becoming visible as the lake dries up. All sorts of uh, interesting things being brought back. <laughs> you know, and, and I think there's a couple old towns. Um, I think Roosevelt Dam covered up a town oh, uh, I, when yeah. it went in. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, those were little valleys that, you know, and it's, there were, there have been people spread all over Arizona for a very long time. They just weren't huge communities. So I, that would not surprise me at all, especially Roosevelt with that location. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some old, old structures underneath that lake somewhere. <laughs> so that, it was just a fun follow-up to our last broadcast. We had a lot of fun uh, feedback from we had Arizona Highways editor and who drove around to all these different uh, ghost towns throughout Arizona and kind of storybook article them and he traveled with a photographer who has great pictures and it's a new book Arizona Highways has put out they their original printing uh, it had 17 revisions of it but it hadn't been updated in a decade so they made a whole new whole new book you can get that. Uh, podcast at rosieonthehouse.com. And of the season of Thanksgiving, we'd like to give a special thanks to the uh, organizations of Sust uh, Arizona Sustainability Alliance, the U.S. Vets of Phoenix, and Habitat for Humanity. They've all come together to put together Ashley's House, which was named after uh, First Lieutenant Ashley White, who was the first cultural support team member of the U.S. Army Special Operations command that was killed in action and her job w was to go uh, gather information from afghan women for uh you know the u.s military but opening today saturday november 19th about an hour and 20 minutes ago at 9 a.m ashley's house opened up where veteran women who are struggling can come here mm -hmm. to help uh you know get recentered and reestablish their life as an all it's an alternative to you know ending up homeless annually it can hold uh house uh, 30 women two uh five bedroom homes and they've got counseling um health care transportation career life skills building and it was interesting to note that it was um you know the the largest demographic of veterans coming out right now are female and these are all great organizations habitat for humanity you know they've built more than 1800 homes here in the phoenix metro area since 85 tucson is an even older chapter uh with huge amount of accomplishments 
the U.S. Vets is a large nonprofit organization, boots on the ground for American combat veterans and that are in a homeless crisis. And then the Arizona Sustainability Alliance it touts itself as empowering Arizona citizens to work together toward sustainable communities. So they've all came together and opened Ashley's house today. Uh, so thank you for all of the hard work they put together for our service women. Beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you all. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions can also be sent to four one one nine two three during the broadcast. We just had one come in. Wants to know can shingle roofs be painted over? Uh, I'm wanting to paint my house, but the paint color that we want on the new home won't match the shingles. Yeah, I was doing a little looking. There are actually colored shingle roof coatings. Um, they're uh, all acrylic. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend them. Uh, <laughs> I have a hard time believing, uh, color me skeptical, that that is going to adhere to an asphalt shingle in Arizona when that thing's 150 degrees on a 112 degree day. Um, and I don't, if your roof shingles are relatively new, my guess would be that would void any sort of manufacturer warranty on that shingle. So um, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Are there products out there? Yes. Uh, me personally, if you were, you know, Saying, uh, Bruce, as someone who works for Rosie Wright Design Build Remodel, what do you think? I would probably advise against it. If you want to dabble in it, I would find <clears throat> the least visible part of your roof, uh, somewhere on the backside of the porch or a valley or something. You can apply a little <laughs> bit there and leave it and see how that works. Anything uh, that you apply on top of is just going to uh, create one more area that you're going to need to probably reapply later mm-hmm. and maintain and add on to. Um, you know, not knowing the age of your shingle roof, like Bruce said, uh, if you're you know past ten years, you know, it may be just wait a couple of years and yeah, may may not when be you far replace off. it. Pick a color you like. And for asphalt shingles, if there isn't already a second layer of shingles on. You can put another layer of shingles on top, any more than two layers uh, for weight limitations. It's against code to put on a third layer, but you can put on a second layer. So if you don't have a second layer and it's just driving you that crazy, you can. it's a lot cheaper to just add another layer of shingles on top You can. than completely rip it off and start all yeah. over. Um, and this isn't... An application I've ever seen applied to asphalt, but I've seen it on tile roof. Uh, there is cork coatings that are hitting the market. They've uh, been around about 20 years, even a little bit longer than that. It's uh, technology out of Spain. That TV guy, Homes on Homes out of Canada, mm. uh, he really likes these coatings. We've seen it applied here. Uh, on a number of different homes. Uh, Andrew out of Intelligent Design in Tucson 
licensed this and says they put it on everything. And it's mm. a little bit more than the size of a credit card. He says it si- sticks to everything. And you can put any color of dye into the cork coating you wanted. So you could, uh, you know, get an estimate for this, uh, pick out the color, they dye it on site, they mix it in the hopper, and they spray it. The applicator looks like uh, a drywall hopper that, you know, you see guys doing orange peel drywall with. But the selling point for the cork coating, cork itself will never drop below, I think it's like 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and it'll never expand, uh, uh, increase above 90. So you've got a material on the exterior of your roof, and uh, you could put it on your walls, that is an outsolation to the home so that it, the heat gain reduction is greatly reduced. You know, If you've got a material like stucco, that'll be 140 degrees that it can heat up in direct sunlight. Well, that 140 degree stucco is radiating into the home. You put an outsolation on it, this cork coating that never goes above 90. Well, it, it's extremely significantly reduces the amount of heat gain into your home. And I've seen it uh, applied to roofs and, and walls. And a application I never would have thought of when I talked to Andrew about this when we were at the Tucson Convention Center for the Fall Saba Home Show at the beginning of October, he said, you know where we're putting this on more than anywhere right now? Is around pools, and st- right on top of your cool deck. Interesting. He, s- he said, and it, it's, uh, it's got, a, you know, it, yeah. it, you, you pick up a wine cork that's the same mm-hmm. stuff, so it's got a little play to it. So it's softer Interesting. surface and cooler. it's a cooler. It's an actual cool surface because cool deck, you know, anybody will... You've ever stepped on it in your bare feet yeah. without splashing water it's on it. It's better than bare concrete, <laughs> but only marginally. So I'd, you, I'll have to. You I'd, know, it's not cool. So uh, reach he out said, to we, we do pool decks all yeah. the time. I'd love to see one of the ones they've done. That would be really, that'd be cool. Yeah, we'll have to get them to send us a few pictures and test yeah. cases yeah. for uh, the pool application. So uh, there's one more thing to look at. Probably not uh, applicable in your situation, but. It, it probably makes more sense to just get apply a second coat, a second layer of sh- shingles on top of that. We can do a lot here at Rosie on the House, but we can't stop the clock. Time for bottom of the hour news break. We'll be back right after this. And thank you for staying tuned in to Rosie on the House where we do all we can to educate you, protect you, and inform you about Arizona homeownership. And to do that this time of year, uh, I got something in the mail the other day, and it was from my utility company, APS. And this time of year, they incentivize you to get into a time-of-use plan. That's not technically why they do this, but I'm telling you, as a customer and as your confidant uh, mentor, you should all, virtually all of you should be on time of use. And right now, APS in the summer, those of you who are all the army of super coolers, you know we can buy power on peak and we can buy power off peak. And you know this past summer, the hour structure in which those apply changed to your benefit to a great degree. 
But what you may not know is in the winter, we have on peak, we have off peak. In the winter, we have something called super off peak. And I'd like to bring in Ms. Carrie Carnes, the director of Customer to Grid Solutions at APS, to kind of help us all understand what this super off peak in the winter months can mean to each one of us. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me today, Rosie. I'm, I'm excited to be with you again. In the mail, I got my little, my, my little letter from APS giving me a, a heads up. Uh, it's this time of year now. I got my refrigerator magnet that APS sent me to remind me and make it self-evident every day uh, what's really happening. Explain to the homeowners what this super off-peak during winter months can mean to them. Well, thanks, Rosie. I, you know, I'm excited to be back talking about some opportunities to save for our customers as we're transitioning onto our winter race. As you mentioned, we, we sent out some information to our customers recently that we're now effect, effectively on our winter rates, and our winter rates run from November to April. And during that period, if you are on a time of use 4 to 7 p.m. weekday or time of use 4 to 7 p.m. weekday with demand, you now have that super off-peak component, um, which represents an opportunity to save. So in the summertime, we talked about you know, shifting your um, super cooling or pre-cooling your, your home to kind of ride through the on-peak period. And, and I would encourage customers to think about that still in the, in the wintertime, even though we're not running our air conditioner as much, but think about other things that we can do, other uh, energy uses, usages, excuse me, that we could shift in the middle of the day, like your pool pump, for instance shifting that schedule to have your pool pump run in the middle of the day or scheduling your dishwasher to run in the middle of the day. And that 10 to 3 um, window each weekday, that will be the cheapest time for our customers to do that. And the super coolers, I've been training them for years to use everything, set your water heater timer to have it heat at night. Off peak, have your swimming pool running at night off-peak. Well, in these winter rates, there's really a great argument for reaching in and changing those timers. There are swimming pools that could get all the pump cycle time they need between 10 to 3 in the day, and that's even a cheaper rate in the winter. You could change those timers on those electric devices. Set your crock pot to start at 10. It'll be done by 2 and your dinner will be ready for you when you get home, and you're using the cheapest electricity you can possibly buy if you're on a time-of-use plan. That's exactly right, Rosie, and cleanest, right? Because I think when I was with you last time, we talked about how that 10 to 3 window is when we also have um, a significant amount of renewable or clean energy on the grid. And so not only is it a savings, for the, the system as a whole, but for each of our customers, if we if we can change our, our energy usage in our home uh, during the winter months. One of the best illustrations uh, was that, that ever was shared with me about time of use plan is if your filling station down the street sold gas for $4.75 a gallon on peak, and then sold it for $2.75 off-peak, 
exactly the same gasoline, when would you go fill up your tank? And APS is delivering exactly the same voltage, exactly the same amperage, exactly the same electricity. But if you structure your consumption to fit these time of use plans, you'll be buying it at a greatly reduced price. And in the winter, it's 10 to three. Get everything done electrically at your house between 10 and three that you possibly can. For super coolers, it's gonna, it, 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 it's gonna be a little bit of a twist of logic. They're gonna have to kind of be retrained a little bit, I think, Carrie. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, for some customers, especially for a customer who maybe works from home, that preheating is might be a little bit more challenging in reality than, yes. than super cooling. Yes. But for all other customers, I think a really good tip, an energy savings tip to consider is, you know, get up in the morning, open up your blinds, but then at night before you go to bed, make sure you close those blinds so that when you are, you're running your heat all night, that heat is kept trapped in, right? And another good tip, I think, as we're, we're heading into the winter season is encouraging our customers to kind of check the caulking around your doors and windows, check your weather stripping. You want to make sure that you're not letting any of that cold air seep in and that you're really maximizing the, the use of your heaters as well. You know, we think a lot about how do we maximize our air conditioners as we're heading into the summer period, but there's lots of things that we can do as we're entering these cooler months of the year. Um, you know, I know a lot of us kind of in the Phoenix area, we might not run our heat as often um, as some of our, our, our friends across the state do, but there's still an opportunity to really maximize every bit of energy that we're using in our homes to make sure that we are, are achieving as much savings as possible with the rate structures uh, that are available to our customers uh, today. Now, if, if, if we have homeowners playing the game like I do, uh, uh, we have to watch our dates because we wouldn't want to keep the timers running at this time. It wouldn't hurt you too bad. But uh, when will we know to switch back? How do y'all how, how do y'all notify us of that? That's a great question. So you should see you should see a notification just like you did uh, notifying you that you were transitioning to your winter rate that you're transitioning onto your summer rates. So your winter rates run from November to April. Your summer rates are gonna be May to October, which are those more expensive months of the year when it's, it's hot, right? And so we, the, the rate structure changes just a little bit, but for the next several months, through the holiday season, certainly, and through the first couple of months of the year, we're all gonna be on winter rates through April. Very good. And this is primarily for time of, day, of use users and consumers. I've said it many times, I'll say it again. Folks, I think the great majority of you, if I look at a customer profile of APS across all their millions of customers, the majority of you are still on a standard plan. You aren't taking advantage of something APS is offering you and it's as simple as making a phone call. You're not buying any expensive pieces of equipment. You're just modifying your consumption habits of electricity. We, I have hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of APS customers who have cut their summer cooling bill by as much as 30, 40, and 
So it's all according to learning the rules of the game for time of use. This really is the way utilities will all be priced in the future. It's just the most efficient way to consume the power that's already made. Now, we've got a big cooking holiday coming up right around the corner, Carrie. What can you tell people about Thanksgiving Day? Kind of kind of sure nervous do. to fire up all those ovens <laughs> with all the relatives coming over. Well, I, I, I can't comment on anyone's relatives, but what I can <laughs> tell you, Rosie, is that we have um, Thanksgiving Day will be an off-peak holiday. Um, another off-peak holiday that customers can look forward to is Christmas, but it'll be observed on December 26th because Christmas happens to fall on Sunday this year. So there's a couple of off-peak holidays that are on a weekday, but the whole day will be off-peak. So you don't need to worry about, you know, running your dishwasher or your oven or your heater on Thanksgiving Day when you're hosting your families over. Um, we, we just would encourage everyone to enjoy the holiday with their family and friends, be safe, of course. And I will also just take an opportunity uh, really to get a plug-in for the ACS Marketplace. You know, with Thanksgiving coming up and the holidays rapidly on the heels, the ACS Marketplace is a really great place to go out and look for energy-efficient devices, like you were just mentioning, uh, Rosie. Whether it's an energy-efficient appliance, maybe maybe your washer and dryer need to be replaced, or a smart thermostat. You can really um, get your hands on a smart thermostat for as low as zero dollars. And those smart thermostats will really enable that pre-cooling, oh. that super cooling when you get to the summer period. But it also will help with the heating during the winter months um, so that you can set a schedule that works for you and your family. And it, it really is a set it and forget it kind of way to, to produce energy savings in your home. That's fantastic. Well, I appreciated APS giving me a notice by mail. I appreciated the magnet they included in the envelope that I can hang up for everyone to see. Uh, Carrie Carnes the director of customer to grid solutions from APS it came uh, and donated her time so we could have this conversation but Carrie I can't let you go until what can you tell me about y'all's electric light parade this this has been going on for like three decades and it's a yeah. lot of fun it's a great parade it is it is and uh, you know uh, just personally, Rosie, it's just in my neighborhood as well, so I was, I was <laughs> excited about it. It's actually, I think we're celebrating the 35th year of the ETS Light Parade. It's scheduled for Saturday, December 3rd at 7 p.m. Uh, the parade kicks off at Central in Montebello um, and travels kind of along the road and, and will conclude around 7th Street in Indian School. But it's a fantastic annual tradition that ETS is really proud of. Uh, to support, celebrate, kicking off the holidays with our customers. Encourage everyone to come out and check it out. For our, for your listeners who maybe don't live in the downtown area or the the like the, the center of town, so to speak, APS will be volunteering at um, winter events and parades across the service territory. I, I think actually, Rosie, our first event kicks off uh, this coming weekend. So it's getting to that time of year where we can all be together, be outside keep each other safe, and celebrate the holiday season that is upon us. Fantastic. Well, if you're in the community of the northern central Phoenix area, December 3rd, 7 p.m. is a great parade. It's called the Electric Light Parade. So 35th year, congratulations. That's great. Well, Carrie, again, I can't thank you enough. Every time I call APS and ask, hey, would somebody come in and talk about this or that? Uh, 
that you've become the go-to gal and you're always so generous with your time and so knowledgeable of the topics, you're a perfect fit right here at Roselle Nows. And me and all of our listeners certainly appreciate you. Thanks a million. Thank you so much, Rosie. I appreciate coming to join you as always. Just have a great day. Our weekly to-do this Saturday morning talks about workspace lighting, and this one isn't really a uh, home maintenance item, but if you've got the Rosie on the House app, uh, you can manage this in projects and get this done and completed and uh, and add it the lighting specs to whatever room you add this to. It's a great tool that we have found for uh, home ownership. You, you can chronicle and detail every element of your home so you can keep track of it what the product is what the manufacturers what the serial number is if you didn't do it the name of the company that installed it the installer's name it can help uh, calculate the estimated cost for replacement at the uh, expected life at the end of its expected life Uh, and then your weekly task you can assign as as somebody in the house you can Assign them yourself. You can assign to a company if it's something you don't want to do your yourself. Um, the predictive financing element I really love because it shows you how much life you have left for all your major uh, expenses, air conditionings, roofing, appliances, and it can help you uh, plan to save for those repairs so you can be prepared to do that without having to do financing or it can calculate it against your uh, estimated home equity line if you're going to do, uh, you know, use your equity to, to pay for your maintenance. And then at the point you ever sell your home, it's a great selling feature uh, if it's a competitive selling market uh, to any other home in the neighborhood where, you know, this new homeowner has this complete catalog of history uh, and the outline maintenance that the home needs going forward. It's a great selling point. Really neat feature is for a premium user, you can manage two properties. So if you've got a second home or if you've got aging parents, this is a great tool to uh, log on and keep track and help keep your parents up to date with the maintenance and uh, have an additional checklist there for you to go do when you meet, go visit mom and dad for the weekend. So it's at rosieonthehouse.com slash app. We'll give you all the details on uh, the promo code to use when signing up for it to get the Rosie discount and then setting it up. Uh, you know, I, I think it's easier on your phone, but it's it's very user-friendly on phone or uh, desktop. And the reason I like the phone is if you're going to picture, use any pictures to catalog uh, your, your home, you can do it right off of your phone instead of having to take a picture, transfer it to the computer, then update it. You can just do it straight from the phone and, or a tablet, and everything gets updated right there. But we're talking about workspace lighting. The U.S. Census Bureau reports the number of people working from home has tripled between 2019 and 2021. I would guess that number would have actually been higher based on the number of calls uh, we've got from people that uh, are looking for additional lighting, additional bandwidth, uh, somebody uh, to expand or remodel a room to make it a workshop, but uh, it has tripled. And people are using everything from garage, kitchens, bathrooms, living rooms. And once you've got your workspace figured out, uh, there are three basic 
basics to lighting. There's ambient, accent, and natural, and each uh, has its application. And the lighting works best when you have all three working together for whatever time of day or night uh, that you're working on. And the ultimate lighting goal for uh, office workspace that they say you want is anywhere from 60 to 80 foot candles. And you can get a lux meter uh, to measure how much uh, to measure that that foot candle lighting. Uh, So you know if you've got to add, subtract, or, um, or if you're just fine. Have you ever used a Lux meter? I have not actually. No, um, I just always kind of eyeball it. <laughs> I know, and you know, you think, oh well, you, yeah, that's easy enough to tell. But it's interesting. A lot of people will find that they're overlit, mm-hmm. and by bringing that light down, it actually reduces the stress on your eyes it can, and yeah. your, you know, the your ocular mm-hmm. nerves by having a. Uh, more pleasant lighting scenario. Uh, the type of light can affect a lot of people. Fluorescent lights uh, yeah. can have a tendency to bother people. LEDs are great. The price is coming down because those, down. Uh, yep. when they first came out, I remember somebody tried to sell a whole house lighting package just to replace the light bulbs with LED lights was like seven grand. I'm like, you've got <laughs> to be kidding me. But it's going to save you money over. I'm like, but yeah, in like 150 years. If you've got questions between now and next Saturday, it's Rosie on the House, R O S I E on the House.com. And order your home maintenance calendar if you haven't already. This is the last weekend to get on the mailing list for 2023.